Let's pray together. Lord God, we come before you. We recognize that you are the God of truth. There's nothing false about you. And for truth, we need go to you. And so we come this morning desiring to be molded according to your word, according to the truth. It's all around us. There are an abundance of lies, deceptions, falsities. May we cling to your word. May we cling to the gospel. Help us cling to Christ. We know, even as we sung, that you will hold us fast. You are God. And it is upon your grace we stand and live and breathe. And so we do so this morning, and may you work in us. May you work in us this morning as we go to your word, the word of truth. We pray that you will challenge us, that you will convict us, that you will even pierce us, and that we all, each of us, would go away this morning. We would leave this building changed and being changed by Christ. And so help us, we pray, and we even plead for that. We ask for your hand on us. May you help us that we may be a people who begin and who have began and walked, began by faith, and may we walk by faith and may we live by faith. And so help us, we pray, as we come to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the letter to the Galatians. We'll continue our study walking through this letter. We'll be in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9 this morning. George E. Elliott Jr. and Private Joe Lockard, they were at the end of their shift. So they were all set and they were ready to go. Their normal shift, it was from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m., So now they were all set, and just as they were about to go, at 7.02 a.m., they noticed something rather strange. There on the new SCR-270 radar equipment came a massive blip on the radar. And obviously concerned, and even alarmed by this, Elliot called it in. And after waiting for a response, Lieutenant Kermit Tyler gave the reply. Don't worry about it. No big deal. Just go on with business as usual. And so it was that shortly after 8 a.m. on December 7, 1941, the first wave of 183 Japanese fighter planes attacked Pearl Harbor. And when all was said and done, 2,403 people lost their lives. Here, in Galatians chapter 3, 
even the entirety of this chapter, we have a massive blip on the radar as well. This threat is not from warplanes, but it is a threat to our very salvation, a threat to the one gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. This threat, though, has been around for a long time. And I'm afraid that perhaps, just perhaps, we've gotten quite comfortable with it. In fact, for many, it's been around for so long that it may just be that, just business as usual. Yet it may well be akin to the blip that Elliot and Lockhart saw, massive, threatening, real, and soon, if ignored, it will most certainly be deadly. And so the question before us as we come to Galatians chapter 3 is will we leave here this morning with a blip, a threat, unheeded? And so to see this, let's read here beginning with verse 1. And so may God help us take heed to his inspired word this morning. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So far, as we have been reading and studying this letter to the Galatians, I wonder what kind of image that you have so far of this letter. You know, Paul, he hasn't, and he he certainly hasn't pulled any punches, right? I mean, not at all. And the truth is, he's not going to stop at this point, at this juncture in Galatians chapter 3. Yet as we continue, though, Paul, he's going to be doing something. He's going to be digging down very, very deep. And he's going to be making some very careful, well-thought-out arguments 
And if we are not careful, we might get the wrong idea about what is going on here. I think perhaps we need to see a warning among the churches like today. Where we certainly hear, love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. But we forget to love God with all of our minds. We just become sentimentalists. All emotion. Move me in the service. And if I am not moved emotionally, it was nothing. And so I would ask us to consider, are we loving God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls, and with all of our strength. Because this morning and in the rest of Galatians even, it will require of you just that, to love God with all your mind for His glory. And so I urge you, as Paul, he digs down deep. You don't just say, ah, just give me sentiments. Move my affections and my emotions only, period. And so warning to you, may that not be us. I'm not saying those other things aren't important. Obviously, Jesus says they are. And so as we come here, I do urge us, do not get the wrong idea about what is going on here Yes, Paul is digging down deep. He is working hard. He is thinking hard. He is setting forth here careful, detailed arguments. But the image that we have of him is not to be kind of this cold, you know, isolated, dry logician. You know, just all propositions and premises, you know, and conclusions. You know, all logic. Well, that's not what he's doing. He will require of you to think hard, but he is not just kind of dryly going about this. He is making an argument. Yes. But it might be better if you thought of him as a man waging war. He's on a battlefield knowing that lives are at stake The gospel is at stake and he must wage war against every argument and lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. So here he is, waging war, fighting for you. And so yes, Paul will require you to consider long and hard what he writes here with every word being inspired by God. But may we, by the grace of God, may we do it. And so his words here, they are a megaphone warning us of a massive blip that we are not to leave unheeded this morning. And so I've mentioned and we've talked about this blip quite a bit already this morning, but what in the world is it? Well, the massive blip here is the massive threat of a works-based salvation. You could call it legalism, even. Trying to gain favor with God based on what you do. And more specifically here, it's the works of the law. 
And so this is the law. What is that? Law, works of the law. This is the law given by God in the Old Testament. And so we see it and we say clearly, yes, God gave it and it's good, but he never gave it as the, italicized, underlined, not as the means for salvation. When God saves someone, it is never, never, never because they did even one thing to earn it. Or even one thing that made them deserving of salvation. And so this threat, it can manifest itself in a thousand ways. And Paul, he is urgent that we get this this morning. Because it may very well be that you have been doing just that. You, you have been here for years or maybe even recently. You, you said you came to him, but you came and you come to church. You, you read your Bible. You go to Sunday school and all that stuff. And you're just behind it all. You're just saying, man, I hope that God sees all these things. And in the end, hopefully it's enough for him to accept me. And so we need to hear Paul this morning. And if his words are left unheeded, it's not a house that you'll be giving up. It's not a car that you're going to be giving up. It's not your job that you're going to be giving up. It is your very soul. And so in Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21, we looked at that. Last week, Paul, he declared the central theme of Galatians, justification by faith alone. And so now he picks this up and he turns it onto the Galatians. So in contrast to the law and perfection through the law, in contrast to that, we received the Spirit by hearing through faith in Christ. And so he turns then from addressing Peter in chapter 2, verses 11 through 21, to specifically and boldly addressing the Galatians here. And so he starts off rather delicately, doesn't he? You know? Right? Oh, foolish Galatians! <laughs> yeah, would you like to wake up to that in the morning? You know? Wow. Not delicate at all. You know, he, he's not talking here about their level of intelligence. He's condemning their actions and he's saying that they have been fooled. And they were acting bewitched. As though they were under someone's spell. As though they were losing sight of reality. And so as he says there in verse 1, he had plainly preached Christ to them. He had made the gospel and what Christ had done on the cross abundantly clear to them. And they had received it. You had heard these things. You had received these things. The one and only gospel justification by Christ and Christ alone. And they had received all of it. And yet, having begun with Christ and Christ alone, now they are adding 
hear the works of the law and circumcision as though without it, as though without those things, they're not going to make it. They won't finally and fully be saved unless they keep the Old Testament law, unless they are circumcised. And so here we see a slew then of Paul's questions for them. And so from verses 2 through 5, he asks them rhetorical question after rhetorical question. And so rhetorical questions, each one that has an applied answer. And so he asks then, who has bewitched them? Because they have been bewitched. <laughs> they, they have been fooled. And so each, each one of these questions, he does that. And so verse 2, indeed, they did not receive the Spirit by works of the law, but by hearing with faith. And then verse 3, they are acting foolish. They did begin by the Spirit, but now they're acting like they can go on in the Christian life living by the flesh. Verse 4, they did suffer for Christ. And if they were to walk by the flesh, bowing to the Judaizers, and their emphases on, on Jesus plus works of the law, they will have suffered in vain. Verse 5, God did not supply the Spirit to them, and He did not work miracles among them because of their grand adherence to the works of the law, but on the basis of hearing with faith in Christ. And so with each question... He is providing a correction to the Galatians. And perhaps this morning, right now, each question should serve you in just that way also. Each one examining our own hearts, our own lives, and asking, have I indeed been relying on works for God to accept me? If only I will continue, if only I'll, I'll pray enough, if only I'll read Scripture enough, if only if I'm here at church enough, if I'm, gonna, if I'm gonna take part in the Lord's Supper enough, maybe then God will accept me. Well, he's urging them to see that their hope cannot be found in works of the law. That's not where they found hope in the first place. They found it through Christ and through putting their faith in Him and in Him alone. And so He's urging them, don't turn back to the law. Live by the Spirit of God. So when you became a believer, when you put your faith in Christ, immediately, at that moment, you receive the Spirit of God. Paul, he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So if you 
do not have the Spirit of God, you do not know Jesus. And so the point that Paul is making is this. The mark over their life and yours that Christ leaves is not circumcision. It is not the law, but it is the Spirit of God. So did you do anything to get the Spirit of God? Was there some thing that you did that made the Spirit of God come and dwell within you? Well, the answer is no. From every single angle, Paul, he is lifting up and he is saying all of it from every side was grace. It is grace from every single point, from beginning to end. It is grace. And yet they were going to the old man. They were going to the flesh as though through the flesh they could be perfected. In verse 3 then, he says that. Now, hear me well here. There is never a point in our lives when we should say, okay, Jesus was nice and all, but now I think I'll start trying to do all this stuff on my own. There's not a point when you just you come forward or you just sit there and you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you come to know Him when you say, all right, You know, Jesus was good at the beginning and all, but I think I can handle this from here. There is never a point in your life, believer, when that will happen ever. You need Christ in every single point, at every single part of every single aspect of your life. So take heed to the blip And do not be fooled by the allure of works. Works are the massive blip. Maybe, and this is where your radar needs to be working, maybe at the bottom of it all, you've been saying, you know, I'll just do this and this and this, and then finally God will save me. how we need to examine our hearts here. And I mean that. There are countless people throughout the churches today who are sitting in the pews who are seeking to be saved by works. Recently I was talking to someone and they felt defeated and undone really over how much they were not doing. And so they asked me, you know, how, how could God ever accept me? You know, I'm not praying. I'm not going to church. I sin. I mess up. I make mistakes. You know, God isn't happy with me. And, and so if I start doing those things and I start, you know, praying and I start going to church, I hope that God 
then will accept me. Well, friend, now those things are good. Praying, going to church, reading the word of God. But if that is you this morning, listen, it is none of those things. God does not receive you because you pray, because you go to church, because you've been checking boxes, because you've been serving the church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, because you're part of a committee or not part of a committee, or you're on the prayer team or whatever it is. It is only Christ. Either you are living by your own efforts, or you're living by faith in Christ. And the end of the one is death, and the end of the other is life forever. So instead of that, instead of works, see that from the beginning to the end, it is Christ. It is Christ. Living by the Spirit of God, it is not fueled by you. It is fueled by faith in Christ. If you get that, that will transform your life. And that one point right there may identify that you have been living by works. Because you said, well, in order for me to live by the Spirit of God, I've got to do these things. But no, no. Paul is saying from beginning in the middle until the very end, you live by faith in Christ. So you want to live by the Spirit of God. You walk by faith in Christ. It's not through works of a law, a list of rules, and your own self-made efforts. It's not through the bankrupt system of our world which do not get it wrong. They are living by works. It is living a life of faith in Christ. Now in hearing all that, our reaction isn't to be like, all right, I could do anything I want. (laughs) Just faith in Jesus. I'm going to go and just Be free and frolic in the land. You know, forget church, forget the Bible, forget prayer. I'm just going to have faith in Jesus. Well, the problem with that is, is that if the Spirit of God is in you, if you're living by faith in Christ, you will be doing and seeking to do those things. In other words, this does not like free up your hands to do nothing. It frees up your hands to do everything for His glory. Faith in Christ fuels Spirit-empowered obedience to the glory of God. That's verse 5. The Spirit was at work among them, doing miracles among them, not because they're like, man, look what I'm doing. The Spirit was working because they were what? Looking to Christ by faith. 
And this is why Paul, was he just kind of like, I trusted in Jesus, I'm good. No, right? What did he do? This is why Paul labored hard in everything. He labored hard in preaching the gospel. He labored hard in getting the gospel everywhere he could with all of his heart to the glory of God. He labored hard in making disciples and disciple-making. He labored hard in thinking and writing hard for the glory of God as well. And he worked harder than any of the other apostles. Where do I get that? 1 Corinthians 15, 10-11. And so faith in Christ doesn't mean you just go in a corner and kind of say, I'm not going to do nothing. It means it frees you up to do everything for the glory of God. This is why he says, chapter 20, verse 20, Even our verses here, they're explaining 2.20. What did he say there? In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it did not lead to inaction. And so my question then for our church and for all churches Saints, where's your faith? If it leads to action, where is our faith in Christ? He's not merely giving off propositions here, is he? He is thinking hard, you see that? But these are words for your life from beginning to end. A life lived and empowered by faith in Christ. Justification, sanctification, everything. I look to you, Jesus. By faith, this mountain will be moved. We just sang. So whether you are here and you're an engineer you're a teacher, auto mechanic, or you know, college student, God is calling you to live by faith in Christ, present tense, forever. And so, if you think of Christianity as, I came forward, I made a profession, and that was it. I begin there, it kind of ended there too. Then you really need to ask whether you know Christ at all. Because the believer... Like Paul, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God forever. He is mine and I am His. And so I live and breathe and raise my children and seek to love my spouse and seek to work and do all I do, working harder than anyone at my workplace for His glory. Whether anyone recognizes it or not, I am seeking to please Him. It's 
why I share the gospel, why I talk to someone. Yes, I don't have all the answers, but I will speak and share Christ. Because the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And so to magnify then the vital, life-encompassing nature of faith in Christ all the more, and to magnify that aspect, faith, And righteousness. Next, Paul makes clear that we are sons of Abraham through faith in Christ. And so to show this, Paul, he takes us back a bit. He takes us back to our Old Testaments. And he takes us back to the man of faith, Abraham. Now at this point, you're right to ask, why are you bringing Abraham into the mix? You know, what does he have to do with all this? Well, this is part of Paul's careful argument here. The Judaizers, they are making much of the law. They're making much of circumcision. And they're making much of Moses. And so Paul, he takes the Galatians back and he's taking you and I back also to make a vital point that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, salvation has always been by faith. Always. There has never been a point where it's kind of like, all right, pause, live by works, then come back to faith. No, it has always been by faith. And so to show this, he quotes from two passages here. Genesis 15, 6, verse 6, here. And Genesis 12, 3, and verse 8, here. So in Genesis 15, 6, which Renee read a moment ago, what was going on? Well, they were childless. Abraham and Sarah, and so God told Abraham to look up into the night sky and to count the stars. So shall your offspring be. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Right? That's not a small promise, you know. And so how did how did Abraham respond? Did he go and like, all right, let me go get a, a tablet of stone real quick and then you tell me all the things I need to do to get that promise. Is that what he did? No. I mean, did, did, he, did he go and like, all right, I'll go get a knife. I got to get ready for circumcision. <laughs> no, not, not to be TPA you know, or too, too much detail there, you know, but, you know, yeah. You know, he, did, he, did he do that? No. It says there in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Amen. By faith, Abraham was justified. He did not do anything. By faith, he trusted God. He heard God's word 
and he believed. Period. And so all this, even before circumcision, was given in Genesis chapter 17. All this before the law was given through Moses. And so we see then that the gospel was preached to Abraham beforehand, or the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham. And so, when Genesis 12, 3, when it said there, in you shall all the nations be blessed, it was pointing to the truth that the gospel, that the Gentiles would be justified by faith in the gospel. It was saying that both then and now, the only way to know God has always been by faith. And now, anyone, Jew or Gentile, who puts their faith in Jesus Christ is a son of Abraham. Amen. Incredible. You are a son of Abraham. All the way back, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, you are a son of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Incredible. And this is all over the place in the New Testament. I'm not going to go through all those places, but I will point you to one place in the Gospel of Matthew. As Jesus is going and as the Gospel continues, there is this emphasis that the Gospel is widening and then it comes into Matthew chapter 28. And Jesus says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Genesis 12. Genesis 15. Go out and make sons of Abraham and fulfill my word. So this gospel is not for Jews alone, not for Gentiles alone, not for Alabamans alone, not for Americans alone, but it is for the nations. Anyone who puts their faith in Him is a son of Abraham. And so, be blessed through Christ by faith. Be blessed through Christ by faith. So if you are in Christ, friends, you are blessed like Abraham. Not like the prosperity gospels are saying. Ignore all that and just see what Paul is saying here. He is talking about this. He's saying you are forgiven. Just like he was forgiven. You are counted righteous. Just like he was counted righteous. You are a child of God forever. And so see then, it is not through works of the law, but through faith in Christ that we are justified and we are sons of Abraham. And so this morning, 
It may be that you have found that this blip has evaded your radar for far too long. Perhaps this morning you are seeing that all those years, all the things you've done have just been works, not faith in Christ. And so tonight, this morning, the call is for you to no longer ignore, ignore the blip, but to take heed to it. God is calling you to take heed to his word this morning. It's like a man who stood on a precipice. So on one side of a canyon, and as he looked out, there on the other side was Christ. And Jesus, he calls out to him, you know, come on over. Trust me. I'll get you safely across. Put your faith in me and nothing else. Throw away those broken tools, those useless supplies, and those stained efforts. And let me be your life, be your savior, be your treasure. Yet as the man, he looks out and he sees Jesus. He also looks down. You know, he sees all these things. And he says to himself, oh no, it's too far down. (laughs) You know, if I step out, I will surely die. Instead, you know, I think I know what I'm going to do. I will build a bridge over to Jesus. That will solve the problem. And then I won't have to just kind of do what he says. It's pretty crazy what he's saying. So I'll just build a bridge to Jesus. That will do it. So let me gather all my tools. Let me gather all my supplies. Let me gather all my efforts. And I will build it. And so... He gets to work. And as he works, he finds that his tools aren't working. He finds that his supplies, well, they're useless. (laughs) And he finds that his efforts, they are inadequate. And years go by, and he will not give up. And as he does all these things, the gulf only becomes wider. And so Christ, he calls out again, Friend, your days are getting short. The hour is drawing near. Will you not trust me? Believe my word. Believe in me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All of your tools, supplies, and efforts are useless. Yet here I am, ready to give you life. I died. I was buried. I rose again from the dead for you to save sinners. 
Will you not leave all of that forever and simply look to and trust in me? At hearing the word, light from where he did not know broke in to his soul and he saw his error. He saw his great folly. He saw the depth of his sin. His 50 years of building were useless. They were waste. They were trash. His 50 years of trying to get to God through church, through prayer, through reading the Word, through New Age spirituality, through religion, through Hinduism, were useless. All along, all he needed was Christ in him crucified. And so no longer dead, but alive in Christ, the man threw off all of his tools, and he threw off all of his supplies, and he threw off all of his efforts, and he ran across that canyon with his eyes on Christ and Christ alone. All the while, in the midst of all of his efforts, he had not seen that Christ was the very bridge that he needed. The cross of Christ formed the bridge, his own tools, his own supplies, and his own efforts never could. Christ had borne what the man never could. And what will be the tune of that man for the myriad of ages to come? When he's been there 10,000 years, bright, shining, as the sun, he has no less days to sing God's praises than when he first begun. Well, may it be also so with you this morning. Perhaps you are here and you need to simply put your faith in Christ. Just like that man. You've been relying on things that are not reliable. And that will never save. And when and if you put your faith in Christ, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, so it will be with you as well. Praise God. This very day, you put your faith in Christ, God will say over you, righteous, justified. So may you, may we live life by faith in Christ. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we come before you right now and just pray for us. Pray for each one of us here that we would hear the word. We would see our need to look to Christ by faith this morning. Not for one moment, but for all moments. 
Perhaps there are some here who have been drowning and have found that their life is filled with apathy and dreariness, dread, fear, perhaps even a deadness. We would be right to ask ourselves, are we presently looking to Christ by faith? Or if there are those here who have not trusted in Christ this morning, I pray that they would put their faith in Christ even now. We pray that you would be with us as we sing, that we would indeed see that it is not in us, but Christ, we are to live in Jesus' name. Amen.